Workhorse Nation salute. Welcome to another episode of Shotgun Saturday, where I take your questions about anything and everything and try to answer them to the best of my ability. We've got some fun ones for you guys tonight. I picked the top three that I thought would either bring some good laughs, maybe some insight or education. Again, if you guys like the idea of these episodes, please go over to our Instagram and give us your questions. I love engaging with the community. It also gives me some ammo to share with you guys. So crank the intro. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Workhorse Radio, a station for the nation where conversation can hopefully give birth to motivation, education, and insight. Rocket fuel to expedite results in your journey and maybe the kick in the pants that you need to take ownership of your life. This will be a sounding board for all things that surround what we call our growth triangle, the foundation of which our brand is built on. This includes the evolution of the coach, evolution of the client, and evolution of the culture. I offer experience told through stories, messages of wisdom adopted after falling from grace, perspective, because having another set of eyes sometimes allows you to see some things you wouldn't otherwise see. Put on your seatbelt, shit's about to get real messy, let's fucking go baby, this is episode 9. While we might as well start with a light-hearted question, this one comes from one of our previous uh, members at the gym. And I believe he asked this because he just wants me to share this particular story. But the question goes, what is the worst poop story at the gym? Now, I'll tell you, there's a big difference between big chain franchise gyms and small locally owned gyms. Sure, you have the community aspect of the smaller gyms. You have you know more relationships based vibes versus the big gym feel. But the biggest difference between the two is the intimacy with poop, with shit. In a big chain gym, you can go number two and nobody knows. You would have, you know, went to grab your headphones from the locker maybe, maybe change your shoes, fill up your water bottle, whatever. In a small studio though, when it's time, everybody knows it's time. You know, sometimes people will even know your schedule. Like, you know, we're front squatting today, all right, Tim's gonna have an extra 10-minute warm-up. Or we're doing a team AMRAP, Hold the clock for a second. Let me get loose or, you know, gross or not, we are all human and we all got to got to do the poop thing. It's physics, but it becomes this underground bathroom culture that sometimes only fitness junkies can truly understand and comprehend. Like knowing that shotgunning your pre-workout before deadlifts is a recipe for disaster. Um, And over the years, I've unfortunately uh, have collected many poop-related memories because of the gym. And I, I guess I should have seen it coming because when I got the keys to my very, very first space, I was so excited. I wanted my clients to see it. I had invited a few of them to the space one night. Uh, we had some champagne, a toast to new beginnings. And my cleaning lady at the time, who I adored very much, um, you know, I invited her to come as well. And the first thing she did when she got there is she went to the bathroom and she was in there a while. You know, we were all celebrating and talking about the future. And like 25 minutes later, she reappears with this huge smile on her face. And she came over to me and pulled me aside and kind of whispered to me and said, you know, I think, uh, I think, I think I clogged the toilet. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you think? Like, what's, give me, what's the situation? What's happening? 
and she looked at me sternly and was like, I tried to, I tried to flush it a few times. Um, it's, it's not going down. And I said, Christine, please, like we, we just got this place. I haven't even paid my first month of rent yet. And long story short, I had to leave this joyous occasion of mine, go to the depot and buy an industrial plunger so that my brand new gym, which I've had for one day, did not get flooded in my cleaning ladies dinner. And that was just the beginning. That set the stage for future toilet tales. One of the worst, um, worst memories, worst experiences I have involving the gym and, and poop, bar none. The last time we hosted a powerlifting seminar at my gym, uh, my good friend Kelly, who was one of the best in our city, put on a workshop at our brand new facility. We invited like 40 local powerlifters and another dozen from outside of the city to come and throw down. The day included some technical coaching for, for the big three lifts. Uh, and then at the end, we did a max out on deadlifts. And um, every single person that came got to attempt a PR in front of the entire gym. You know, so and here's the kicker. A local pizzeria donated a personal pizza for each attendee for lunch. And they made them in excess. So in reality, each of these motherfuckers ate about two personal pizzas before we started doing max out deadlifts. And I don't know if you know anything about powerlifters, but they they aren't small people. And we had 50 of them. I only have three toilets. And then you arm them with two pizzas each, slap them with a ton of pre-workout, and then you let the nerves just settle in before they go lift. Let me tell you something. We ran out of toilet paper before 1 p.m. And we were stocked. You know, our our closet was stocked. They didn't just use up what was in the bathrooms. They used up everything in our stock room. I swear, every single person in there probably averaged five poops that afternoon. And it was so bad that we had to make an emergency trip to the dollar store just to buy more TP before the day was over. The smell, you guys, okay, that emitted from these rooms, I knew I was going to have to spend some serious dough trying to get the air quality back to somewhat normal living conditions after this event was done. The actual toilets themselves, my God, like Dexter walking into a murder scene, except you didn't know the origin of the splatter patterns because Jesus Christ, it looked like some of these people sat on the toilet backwards the way the art was displayed on the front of the bowl. It's like a bomb went off. You know, that weekend scarred me. It scarred my workers. It scarred my cleaning staff. Um, and I loved everybody that came that day. They were all lovely people. But it was a harsh reminder of what we as humans are truly capable of. Now, before this whole podcast just kind of turns into uh, a shit show, the person that initially asked me this question uh, had a poop experience of his own. We were doing squats or something at the back of the room. And uh, notoriously, he always has to poop before any type of squat movement. And I had already started warming up, was making my way into my transition sets um, as he was in the back, kind of releasing his demons. And now I must have been in the zone because I didn't really notice his absence until I saw him run to the storage closet and come running back with a shovel. So I took my headphones off and was thinking, you know, what the hell is going on? I went to the back 
and he was shoveling toilet water back into the shower drain. The toilet was erupting like Mount Vesuvius and the entire bathroom floor was flooded. The murky water had made its way out of the bathroom into the gym under the stall mats so he was trying to contain it and force it all back with a fucking shovel it looked like a hurricane went off in the back of the gym and now instead of squatting we were doing damage control um and you know you want to know who your real friends are see if you can look them in the face after you're marching around their poop water these aren't just disgusting stories they are instances in my life where i had to make some serious choices and a word of advice for those of you who are new to the industry and maybe didn't think of poop control as part of your, your fitness acumen. Well, guess what? Invest in an industrial plunger and always make sure you are stocked with toilet paper. Have some, some industrial fans on deck just in case. And for the love of God, spend a little bit extra and get yourself some poopery. Poopery. If you've never used it before, comes in this little bottle it'll cost you an arm and a leg but let me tell you a couple drops into the toilet bowl before you go and do your thing what happens to break down the science for you guys is it will cast a film a light film over the water and you do your thing and when your log lands it will envelop the entire missile and prevent odors from escaping do not cheap out on this and just go buy fucking febreze okay because your gym will go from smelling like shit to smelling like someone took a shit in a rose garden. It doesn't hide the smell. It just adds more smells to the chaos. And actually, it leads your nose to the pile even faster. And there ain't nothing sweet about floral shits. And for the record, this is not where I saw this podcast going. But I, I'm really just here for the people. So I want to answer this question. So before I waste any more time on this. We are going to uh, not move to number two, but question two, which is, why is it so hard to build muscle? Why is it so hard to build muscle? The reality is, it's not. There's just a false expectation out there of what it takes to build muscle. It's not hard to build muscle if you have all of the strategies in place and you have a realistic idea of a timeline. The difficult part is people expect it tomorrow. Building muscle is a marathon. It is not a sprint. You don't put on 30 pounds of muscles in three weeks. You put on 30 pounds of muscle over the course of five to 10 years. And, you know, when people decide they want to put on lean muscle mass, it's like confirming that you are adopting an entire new lifestyle because you have to. The climate needs to be ideal for you to put on size. And it may require you to change some things about the way that you live your life. You have to come to that realization. Do I want to become a jacked version of myself? And do I really want it badly enough? It doesn't really matter what your answer is. I don't care. Your choice ultimately only affects you. But it will give you a much better confirmation of what you need to do based on the one that you pick. If you choose to build your body, transform it, being consistent with three things will inevitably gain you muscle over time. Okay, so the first one is sleep. You need to recover. You can lift until you are blue in the face, but if you aren't giving your body an opportunity to rebuild from all the damage you have done in the gym, it's not going to happen. 
you have to think of recovering harder than you work out if you expect to gain weight. You can't be up partying and drinking every weekend until 3 a.m. and expect your body to help you. If you are giving your body the big fuck you, guess what? It's going to say fuck you right back. And you'll have this lifelong internal argument with yourself until kingdom come because if you want to grow, you need to get your priorities in line and get them on the same page. The second thing you're going to need is food. You need to eat to grow. Eating enough protein is one. Being in a caloric surplus, this also needs to happen. I can't build a house if you don't provide me with the materials. So people often say to me, I'm not looking to gain weight. I just want to build muscle. I don't even know what the hell that means. Give me the weight. I'm going to pray that the majority of it is coming to me as muscle gains, but it's not going to happen if you're afraid to see numbers on the scale go up a little bit. It's part of the process. And also, if you want to be accurate, instead of shooting in the dark, you need to know how much you are currently eating and how much you need to eat in order to put on size. If I don't know what your baseline is, you're pretty much leaving everything up to chance, which if you enjoy chasing your tail year after year, that's fine. But if you actually want to reach your goals on a realistic timeline, you got to be more calculated. You got to be more disciplined. And remember that in order to gain, you need to be in a surplus, like I said. So what if you don't even know where you're currently at? What if you are sitting at maintenance right now with the way that you're eating? Or even worse, what if you're sitting at a deficit? You're definitely not gaining any muscle if you're sitting at a deficit. So I always tell people that, you know, working out, lifting weights, being in the gym, that's like you whispering sweet nothings into your own ear. But the act of eating the proper fuel is what actually puts things in motion. Okay, so um, it makes it makes things happen. If you work out like an animal and you eat like a peasant, you're going to be a slave to this never-ending circle of loss. It's the exact opposite of gains. It's you know it's the person that you see in the gym every year who lifts with the exact same weights. They jump on a treadmill, they run the exact same times, and year after year, they look exactly the same, you know, which is okay if that's what you want. But if you want change, you need a better compass than just going wherever the wind blows, okay? And the, the last thing, so we have, we have sleep for recovery, we have food for your fuel. The last thing that you need in order to build some muscle is the proper stimulus. You got to provide your body with the appropriate stimulus in order to grow, it's like a signal to your brain to tell your muscles to build, to strengthen, to repair. And, you know, I'm going to be very real with you guys. Our bodies are very, very efficient machines. And because of that, we get inherently very lazy. Homeostasis is where like our bodies like to be. And it's this tendency to maintain like a relatively stable equilibrium at all times. In other words, like your body, you don't doesn't like to rock the boat because that means that work needs to be done. Like I said, we're lazy. Your body just loves the status quo because it requires less energy to stay there, less brain power, less thinking, less actual energy expenditure. Think of like the first time you ever did a heavy squat workout or a leg workout. You probably didn't walk straight for days, right? You were sore in corners that you didn't even know existed and you probably thought to yourself like why the fuck do people do this to themselves but if you stuck to it and you kept training the severity of what you felt after a squat day or a leg day it started to die down the soreness becomes more tolerable 
Sometimes you just straight up get less sore. This, my friend, is called adaptation. Your body has put the necessary processes in place to make the stimulus have less of an effect on your body. Survival mechanism. So if you continue to do the same squat over and over and over again with the same rep scheme, the same weights, the same loading patterns, your body will signal to your brain for that particular pattern to become more proficient and eventually become more efficient. So you become stronger and then you use less energy to complete that particular task. So you may have heard the saying, you know, things don't get easier, you just get stronger. Um, that is true. I can't continue to use the same squat and expect unlimited returns for gains because then everybody would do it. Once your body has adapted to it, it's good. We're back into lazy mode. So the stimulus of your workouts over time need to continue to practice what we call progressive overload. It's just a really fancy way of saying, make it harder, stupid. It doesn't always have to be the weight either. You can make it heavier, but you could also change up the volume, add more sets, add more reps. Um, it could be the time under tension with eccentrics, with pauses in different phases of the reps. It could be half reps, quarter reps, supersets, giant sets, drop sets, whatever. There's, there's a lot. Um, this is more on the spectrum of what great programming and coaching can look like, but that's totally a different topic. The, the point is you can't expect different results if you continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. So stimulation, Workhorse Nation, that's the magic ingredient for training if you are looking for the gains. All right, last question of the day is um, what are common mistakes of injury rehab that you see in the gym the first thing i see most um, is people will blame an isolated incident when it's very rare in the gym setting that this is the case if you're on the football field and you get pummeled off the line and suffer a concussion it's pretty clear cut the cause of the injury but if you're in the gym and weeks of lower back stiffness turns into soreness and now it's turning into lower back pain it's difficult to say that deadlifts were the reason for your demise. It may have been the straw that broke the camel's back, or in, in this case in particular, like your actual back, but probably not to blame. We have to consider things like muscle imbalances, joint range of motion, restrictions, execution of the lift itself, the load, the parameters, and we can get even like into the nitty gritty stuff like tissue quality, hydration, and the like. Um, and I don't care if you work out like an animal with perfect form. If you're only getting like three hours of sleep a night, eventually you're going to get hurt. So sometimes the injury is not just an isolated event. It's not the deadlift that broke your back, especially if it stems from something chronic. The best thing to do is take an audit of what you've been doing at the gym, how you've been recovering at home, and see if your ailments are paired with any new changes, introductions of new exercises. Maybe you start a new program. Take a look at the loads, the volumes, and see if you're just doing too much too soon, and see if you can pair the time of your injury with changes in your programming. Another common mistake I see is that people tend to want to stretch things that are injured. Like if I pull my hamstring, you'll see people stretch it. If I have pain in my shoulder, you'll see people stretching it. And it's not that stretching is bad or at times not needed, but sometimes we should be focusing on making tissues stronger and not just longer 
the hip flexors are are a common uh, one for this is like you'll see people stretching out their hip flexors because their hips feel tight um, sometimes it's just because your hips are weak so if you do all the stretching and it doesn't help and you still have the problem stop try strengthening the area as opposed to just lengthening the area it's also commonplace to see the, the same prescription of exercises when a client goes to a clinic, let's say, and comes back to the gym with their rehab protocol. You'll see things like clams, um, bridges, planks, dead bugs. You, you know, if you've ever hurt yourself and gone to see a healthcare practitioner, they probably sent you home with a piece of paper um, with little cartoon drawings of, of people doing these exercises. Nothing wrong with any of these exercises. They're great exercises. But there is something wrong if they do these for five weeks and the exercises don't change or the person sees no change. Prehab, rehab, strength training, they all need to follow a plan. There needs to be progression. Low-level rehab exercises like the ones that I mentioned should not be around for an extended period of time. And just like strength training, like we mentioned before, we need to increase intensity and progress to more challenging variations if we're going to try and see some adaptive changes within the body. And finally, this one is important, is this idea of resting. I'm one of the people that, um, you know, I have a very hard time taking a full rest day. Even when I'm injured, um, there's a sick part of my brain that just says, like, what else can I do today? And too often, I'll see a member sprain an ankle or, or wrist or something, and they take like four weeks off of the gym. Like if if you're not dead or just shy of it, there's probably still something that you can do. And some of my greatest skill acquisition has been during a time of injury. So for example, when I hurt my pec really badly, I could not press. Any type of pressing was impossible. I couldn't even do one push-up. And it was really sad, but I realized that I could lock out my elbows and support weight overhead with zero pain. So as my pec healed, I taught myself how to handstand walk. Anytime I was supposed to have a press workout, I did skill-based technique for handstand walks. And in the meantime, my legs got stupid strong. So don't let injuries stop you in your tracks. There's always more work to be done. And on that note, if you're resting for weeks and the pain or the injury isn't getting better, rest probably is not the answer. I'm not saying to be an absolute asshole and just put your head through the wall when you get hurt, but including some light exercise, some movement, it has some therapeutic benefits that could aid in your recovery while still respecting your recovering tissues. Um, you know, the best thing to do if you get injured is to create a triangle around your injury. And that triangle will consist of three different parties. The first one, is your coach. Whoever is in charge of your training and oversees what you do inside of the gym. The second person is your healthcare practitioner, whether that's your chiro, your physio, massage therapist, whoever. The last person is you, dummy. Communication between those three partners is crucial for your recovery and you are responsible for making those lines work. When your chiro doesn't understand what your coach is prescribing and your coach doesn't know what your chiro is troubleshooting, you have a mess for a recovery plan. Get everyone on the same page, save yourself some time, and get them to work together. That is the best recipe for success, and you can also learn a lot about the process in the process itself. 
So, I think that's it. Um, those, my friends, are all of the answers to the universe. We covered poop stories today, uh, muscle gain, injury rehab, all within the hour. And if that ain't quality podcasting, I don't know what is. If you enjoyed this segment, share this with your friends, with your mom, with your neighbor. Blast it all over your socials so we can grow this thing and continue to spread the love. If you're sitting there and you are unmotivated and you feel like a bag of dicks and you have no sense of what you are doing or why, please, 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 please do me a favor at the end of this podcast. Reach out. Send us a message. I have a team and a community of badass individuals that can help change that for you. Help you find your sense of purpose. We're all in this wild, wild ride called life. But my people, we ride the Pony Express and we would love for you to be a part of it. That's all I have for you guys today. Eat clean, train dirty, and you know the gains are getting real when the desk worker's getting flirty. Rest and God bless my friends. I will see you on episode 10.